several times a week in lobbies, coffee bars, and airports. He has a heavy case. He wears heavy-soled shoes, scuffed but shined. He tugs at his tie. He's always on the phone. Hey, Julia, how are you? Ted Jinks for Rod Holloway. Rod, hi, Ted Jinks. Family? Good. <laughs> uh, listen, uh, uh, Rod, we made some improvements in the uh, A9 series, so thought maybe if I could stop by and... Uh, oh, you, oh, you don't. I, I understand. Well, catch you next time. My love to Liz. Hey, <laughs> go Giants. Take care. He sits back to stare at his shoes or into a light. Then he sits up to tap out a new number and snap open a new smile. Vomited in the car. Yes, I did. Car. That, over. Yep. That was Christmas, right? That was that was Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving, that's right. We, that's right. We had been we had been to the museum or either that or the zoo, and I can't remember which one it was. And I well, actually, I came down with what I thought was the flu. I spent a, yeah. I spent a lot. It was in that uh, that rental home you had there. Yeah. I spent, by the I, yeah, I spent a lot of time downstairs in the laying on the sofa when you guys were enjoying uh, after Thanksgiving. Oh, that's right. That's right. Yep. That's right. And then I, the day the day that we left, I think mo- your mom came down with the same thing. Oh, that's awful. Yeah, it is. Awful. Yeah, it, your mom had an incident like that in Vegas. We were there at a show, and we had gone out with a couple of accounts that night for dinner, and she she drank a little bit, but not that much, and everybody did and she got up the next morning the day we we're supposed to leave and she had the flu and was throwing up all over and then you had to, she had to get on the airplane so yeah that's that, that's miserable getting on an airplane feeling like that cramped yes and yes and, and again temperature it, at all yeah it was not uh, it was not a hangover she actually had came down with some yeah. with the flu oh, yeah. and it was terrible yeah. terrible yeah. Well, it's like uh, a lot of people always talk about drinking on airplanes too, which I don't get yep. because all then all you have to do is get up and pee all the time. Yeah, and yeah. You can't have fun sitting in a seat like that without being an asshole. So it's like, oh, I don't really get <laughs> drinking on airplanes. I like sleeping on airplanes. That's that's amazing. Yeah, yeah. I don't like drinking on the airplane either. Yeah, I have a tiny yeah. bladder, so. Yeah, well, you got that from your mother for sure. Yeah, she, she has a. This, Mm-hmm. Say if I'm in the seat right in front of the bathroom, maybe, maybe it'd be all right. <laughs> yep, yep. Yeah, I remember dating when I was dating her. It seems like every five minutes, every five minutes, we were pulling over for her to pee. So, yeah, I can yeah. hold it if I'm driving or doing something. I can hold it. I, I prefer yeah. not to. But yeah, yeah. It, be, yeah. it really, be, it really becomes. Uh, uh, difficult when you're trying to hold back a pee. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it becomes it becomes painful. So, yeah. so you know, I actually wanted to ask you uh, about uh, your military experience. Oh yeah. What would uh, would have any interest in talking about that? How it got started? Why you joined? How you joined? Okay. Well, so I, how did you actually? How did you physically join? Well, I, okay, I was a senior in high school, and one of my friends by the name of Terry Sparrow, his brother-in-law was a member of the the Ogden uh, Army Reserve, 
and one day we were talking and he says, you know, I think I'm going to join the reserves. And I said, why? And he said, I don't know. It just sounds like a good idea. So, <laughs> so there were there were five of us. Actually, there were six of us that joined together. We went out to uh, Defense Depot Ogden, which is now where the IRS Center is on West 12th Street. And we went in there and we signed up for the Army Reserve. We had a physical um, and that was the beginning. It was probably the beginning of uh, my senior year in high school. And, uh, you know, we raised our right hand and swore to defend the country or so on and so forth. But anyway, so we went to reserves meetings every once a month, which was like on a, on a Monday night. And then uh, when we graduated from high school yeah, in the 1st of June, three days later we were at Fort Ord, California at basic training. So wow, three days? Yeah, and there's there's a little thing that's interesting. This is after graduation from high school. Uh, the day that we I was we were supposed to catch the plane and at Salt Lake Airport to go with flew from Salt Lake to San Francisco, then we caught a little puddle jumper from San Francisco to Monterey, California, where Fort Ord yeah. was located. But uh, we got up that morning and my parents, my grandparents drove me down to the airport. I got almost to the Salt Lake City Airport and then remembered I had forgotten my ticket. No, really? And it was getting, <laughs> I called my friend, Lyndon Price, who lived up the street from us. I said, Lyndon, the door is open. Would you do me a favor? So he went down there, picked up my ticket and then met us down there. And I made it in time. But wow. uh, anyway, we we flew that morning from San, from Salt Lake to San Francisco on a DC-7, which was a, a double prop plane. Oh, wow. 1961. Wow. And we flew to San Francisco. You and any then, chickens? Were, hmm? there chickens in there? were there any chickens in there with you? Yeah, there could have been because it was, it was not, it was a very noisy plane and just bumped like yeah. crazy. But that's, that's the plane they were using for it. It was a commercial flight. It wasn't a military flight. It was a commercial flight. Okay. And then we got on a little puddle jumper at San Francisco and flew to Monterey. And as we're getting off the plane, there's a U.S. Army bus outside the terminal. And this little S of a B, son of a bitch, drill sergeant is standing there. So we're walking, coming out, and there's, there's probably a few other people coming from, guys coming from somewhere else or up. And as we're getting on the, he starts yelling at us. Uh, and I remember looking at uh, like, like one of my. Oh, uh, every other word started with an F and ended with a K. Okay. And, and he, uh, <laughs> so we we're still in civvies. So we get on the bus and we drive. It's probably about five miles from the Monterey Airport to Fort Ord. Hold on, hold on. Did you say civvies? Yeah. What are civvies? Just like you and I were every day. So regular full on clown costume. Regular clothes. Oh, regular. That's what. That's the army. Because you lose, you lose all of your civilian life when you're there. I mean, you're, you're, you 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 do everything they tell you to do and do it three or four times. What do you do? What do they do with your civvies? They, you put them in, you give it to them, and they send them back to your home. Really? Yep. Huh. You're not allowed to have any 
civilian or civic clothes during basic training. All so you do on the army. Leave the army. What do you when you leave the army? Do you just go back naked? No, no, no. Well, no, because after basic, that's just for that's just for basic training, which is eight weeks, okay. and you're you're you're. You you work your butt off and and constantly are yelled at. You know, it's just a. Sorry, I'm, I'm jumping ahead. Go ahead. Okay. Well, anyway, you you get to the barracks and you check into what they call the reception center, which is a, I don't know, maybe five, but maybe fifteen to twenty old barracks that are wood barracks, and you spend three days there, and in those three days, you. Uh, all of your uniforms, your fatigues, your dress uniforms, your duffel bag, your your boxer shorts that could fit uh, you and three other guys in there, and the white t-shirts, and your boots and everything else, and then then you have several orientations, which is basically you standing with about 150 other guys, and they're trying to find people to guys to volunteer to do K. KP, which is kitchen duty, and everything else. Why? Because you're you're being indoctrinated into the system. And so, I found out very quickly that it, I when I when they formed up, I always went back into the middle of the of the group because if you were in front or in the back, they always picked. That's on the, that's on the, on the first day you're in the reception center. You go around and get your fatigues and your uh-huh. and your dress uniforms. And then you, your boots and socks and everything else. Then uh-huh. you wear it, and what happens in your fatigues for the time that you're in basic training? The top button on your fatigues always has to be buttoned, because that signifies that you are a stupid ass recruit. Oh, really? And you're in basic training, and you're totally under their control. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah. Awesome. And then That's what identifies you. Yes, everybody else on Fort Ord was one of the largest bases in the country. It was just uh, south of uh, San Francisco and uh, beautiful, beautiful area right on the ocean front. Yeah. Monterey, the closest town. And from where our, my barracks were, which was right along Highway 1, only you were on the base, you looked across, you could see the ocean and you could see Highway 1, which is the main highway in California. You there? Yeah, I'm here. Okay, in California. Yeah. And uh, so anyway, that then you're assigned your barracks. Okay. And your, and your platoon, and then the basic training starts, and you they uh, usually, usually keep you up until midnight, and you get up at four o'clock in the morning. How long does that last? All through basic training. So that's eight weeks. Eight weeks. Yep. Wow. They did give us. They did give us Sunday off. You're assigned to that barracks, and you're not allowed off of the bay, off the of post. And Fort Order was a was a huge fort, and a very very nice fort. It was really nice. It, it had a yeah. theater. It had several, several movie theaters, and even had a Dairy Queen and all that stuff. Banks and library right. and everything else on it. Yeah. And they had a, a, a PX, which is where you go buy anything you want to buy there. And our income. Why we are there? Are you there? Yeah, I'm there. I'm here. Okay. But our income was seventy nine dollars a month. Nice. Yeah. Holy and cow. Uh, how you got paid is on payday. 
there would be a big, uh, there would be MPs, which is the military police, escorting this. Uh, you've seen these trucks that go around and pick up money and that from businesses. Uh-huh. They escorting, and they paid you in cash. Just right there, just like with a huge truck full of money. Yeah, and there were MPs standing around with uh, with weapons, and they set up a table, and you line up according to your alphabet, according to the alphabet. And of course, there was only one guy behind me, and his name was Zenith. So, as you go through the pay line, they give you your your seventy nine dollars in cash, and then uh -huh. there's one table. There's what there's another table at the end, and it's called the sergeant's table. Okay. And you had to contribute. At ten dollars to the sergeant's fund. <laughs> we never, we never knew what the sergeant's fund was, but you had to contribute ten dollars to it. Oh my gosh! That's so that left you with sixty nine dollars for the rest of the month. Wow! How far did they how, like? What could you buy? What did you buy? And like, how expensive was it? And and the good thing is, you could even though we were, I was eighteen. You could buy beer at the PX. You could buy anything, but their meals are always, you know, you go through the mess hall to get fed. So you, the meals are right. cost you. Right. And that's yeah, another cool. that's another exciting thing. When you get up in the morning at four o'clock, you yeah. have time you have time to shower, and then you form in formation outside of the barracks, and then you okay. do the physical therapy, uh, physical, uh, you do exercises, and then you run a mile. Nice. And you come, back, you come back and make your bed and everything else, and you for, get in formation again to march to the mess hall. You go through, and there's the, the toast is always a, you get eggs and and whatever it is, bacon and whatever it is. And then when you get yeah. to the toast machine, it's kind of a you put the, they put you put the bread on it, and it goes around this circle. The oh, only yeah. thing wrong, it's only te it's only toasted on one side. <laughs> 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 uh, they, had, they haven't developed the two burner technology yet by that point in time oh, not, in, not, in, not in 1961 <laughs> <laughs> nice oh the things you, you take for granted yeah there's a lot of things you take for granted that you don't get there <laughs> <laughs> like, being treated, like being treated like a human yeah right yeah it's a uh, and then you go okay. off and you and then what what happens is one of the one of the training exercises one day we we had to march five miles out to the infiltration what they call it. What say that again? The what? Infiltration course. Infiltration course. Interesting. Okay. What does that mean? After marching five miles, in in at Fort Ord, the the fog had come in the morning, so it'd be quite chilly. And this was in the yeah. middle of the summer. And then yeah. you would, you'd have to wear your field jacket. You're soaking wet. They won't take let you take your field jacket off. And uh, you have to crawl under Bob wire. Uh, and they're shooting a machine gun over your head while you're down there. It's it's blanks, but right, right. You know, and then you have to stay that night out in the field, and your uniform is soaking wet. And really. You're cold. Really? Do you sleep? Do they give you anything? Yeah. What do they? I mean, do they give you a blanket or a pillow or anything like that? Why, why, why would they do that? 
<laughs> so you just you just sleep on the ground where you are. Yep. Yep. Nice. Yeah, it's 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 fun. But anyway, that and there's all kinds of exercise things you do. You go to the firing range. You you shoot 50 caliber machine gun. You throw grenades, live grenades, as a matter of fact. Yeah. Really. Days and then. Uh, uh, it's just all they, they keep you busy for eight weeks and, and by the weekend you're 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 ready to sleep all day yeah that's all you want to do that's all you want to uh, do interesting and after eight weeks you get a 10-day leave so you go home for 10 days okay what do you and then uh what what ha- so i guess talk about the 10 days what did you do during the 10 days well uh, obviously we we rented a car and drove home, which Did takes we, two, two days. To get there were four of us that rented a car. Four of you? Yeah. Okay. From from yeah. Ogden or from Utah? From Monterey, California, to Ogden, Utah. Yeah. Okay, so there were four Ogdenites. Ogden is that what it is? Ogdenites. Yeah, Ogdenites. They were. We had guys from Logan, Utah, and that that we came very good friends to, but they went their own okay. way. Okay. Okay. And we have 10 days of leave where we're home. We, you know, mom and dad took the time off and we did whatever we did for, for two, for okay. 10 days. And this is all yeah. before mom. Huh? This is all before mom. Or is yep. this? This was before I met your mother. Yep. Okay. Okay. You didn't meet and mom then... until college, right? No, they're not yet. Huh? You didn't meet mom until college? I didn't meet her. She was a senior in high school. And you were a freshman in college. I had I hadn't started college yet. I was I was working full time in a clothing, so I had to I had to work to save money so I could go to school. So that was right after this, then. Yeah, I started school. I got home the day after Thanksgiving in 1961. I got home and I went to work at retail for Christmas and after Christmas, and I that spring I bought a. 1959 MGA sports car with wire wheels. And it was neat. I wish I had a photo of it because it was a cool car. Two-seater. So, sorry, what year was the MG? A 1959 MGA. Oh, man. That's awesome. Wire-spoked wire wheels, uh, two-seat okay. two seat for in the front. And then that, that August, I went on a blind date with this woman who lived up on Oak Ridge Drive. By the name uh-huh. of Francine. By the name uh-huh. of Francine. And sounds, like a weird, sounds like a weird, sounds like a setup. Yeah, well, a friend of mine, his, his nickname was Toad. Oh, yeah. That's how he was. He, he was in my person. He was in my fraternity at school, at school. And my parents had left for vacation. So uh, I decided oh, yeah. to have a party at yeah. our house. And there were six of us. And, well, there were going to be supposedly six of us, but I wasn't dating anybody at the time. So I told said, I'll set you up. This, 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 the girl that I'm dating knows this girl. It's really cute. She's blonde and really cute. And I said, oh, okay. Well, I got out of the car, walked up to her front door, knocked on the door, and this dark-headed girl came to the door, which was Diane. Right. And I said, she says, oh, you must be here for Francine. I said, come on in. So I went in and went in their living room and sat down. And all of a sudden, here comes this beautiful blonde around the corner. Hi, I'm Francie. (laughs) (laughs) 
That was probably a pretty awesome surprise. Yeah, which I was very pleasantly surprised. Yeah. The, yeah. the interesting thing is after I took her home that night, for about three or four days, I'm thinking, should I call her or should I not? Right. I don't know. I didn't know right. if she really ended the date or not. Yeah. Well, I ended up calling her and uh, we started dating. And yeah. She, she, uh, she went back to high school to finish her senior year and then uh, yeah. we dated. We dated, you know, at least once a week or whatever. Yeah. And well, that's uh, that's back when dating was dating. Like you dated people. Yeah. You went on yeah, dates. Yeah. You know, yes. that's different. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it was, uh, we really had a good time and everything else. And then after her senior year, uh, she started school at the University of Utah with that. She dated for about two years while she was at the U. She'd come home on most of the weekends. And during the ski season, we'd ski or whatever. And yeah. about in the, in, in about April of 19... 19- 65 I got a uh-huh. I got a phone call from Francie saying that yeah well I think we need to uh, see other people uh oh yep uh oh yep oh no yes was this out of the blue did you not see it coming I did not see it coming oh man very nice she was very nice she said she had mixed emotions she was very nice about it and I, mixed emotions. Yeah. yeah. She had, yeah. Maybe. Well, we, we, didn't, we, I didn't see her for oh, six months. And I, uh, I started dating this other girl. In fact, I gave her my, this other girl, my fraternity pin. I pinned her and we were thinking about possibly getting married. Oh, wow. Is this uh big boobs McGee? Mm-hmm. El- What's her name again? Her name was Elsha Taylor. Okay. That was a pretty girl. Fast forwarding to November of that, of 1965, I get this call from a, a girl by the name of Francina. <laughs> he says, we need to talk. I can't remember exactly what the conversation was, but she says, uh, we need to talk. So we talked and she says, I think we need to get together. You there? Yeah, I'm there. Okay. She says, I think we need to get together again. Well, I had already made it. (laughs) Are you there? Yep. Okay. I had already made a date to go to Sun Valley, Idaho for for New Year's Eve. Yeah, with with Elja? Yes. So I told your mother... Well, we in fact, I went out with your mother and them for a couple of times. I even went to a sorority party with her down in Salt Lake City. But I told her that yeah. I was going with the guys up to Sun Valley, Idaho for New Year's Eve. I couldn't tell her. That. Oh, right. Oh, that you're going with Elja? Yes. So we drove a. Oh, man. So New Year's Eve, Elja and I drove up to Sun Valley, Idaho. Uh-huh. Got there and checked in the hotel. A friend of ours was a was a ski instructor up there, so we got the lodging free. There were nice. Four of us in the room. Me, Gary, Manon, and Elsha. And I mm-hmm. I slept on the floor. Okay. But anyway, we were we got drunk that night, New Year's Eve, all the way through New Year's Day. And uh-huh. 
New Year's night, or the, 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 yeah, New Year's Eve. New Year's Eve, we went to the bar at the hotel called the Boiler Room at Sun Valley Inn. Yeah. And I perceived yeah. it wiped out of my mind. Her sorority sister had seen me with Elgin. <laughs> nice. <laughs> yes. That's what you get for, for lying. As I'm sitting in the phone booth, totally drunk, I see Andy. I don't know if you know who Andy Williams is. I do, yeah. Yeah, this is the Andy Williams incident. Yes, this is where I decided that he was my good friend. And I, yeah. I hung up from talking to your mother, and I ran out and tapped him on the shoulder and said, Hi, Andy, how are you? The next thing I know, I was being thrown out of the hotel <laughs> into a snowbank. <laughs> <a> snow <laughs> nice. Man, that fast. So he had people around him that were yeah. protecting him. Well, the th- interesting thing is that New Year's, New Year's up there at Sun Valley, the Kennedy family rented out this that old church for a party, and he was one of their guests. Really? Yeah. So the rest of the story I don't know about because Gary saved me. I'd have drowned in the snow because I was knee deep in it. And we drove back home. Drunk drunk enough. Huh? And drunk enough to not be cognitive of what's going on around you? What I'm telling you now, I didn't remember, but Gary told me all about it. Should have been the first one to, to start a TV series, How, How I Met Your Mother. Yeah, right? Yeah. I know, right? Yeah. Pretty good. That would have been a great final, final episode. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, we... Fighting Andy Williams. And we got engaged in January of that year, and we got married in June. Nice. Yeah. Nice. So... Cool. Okay. Very interesting. Well, yeah, because you know, I have a hard time imagining you with anybody else besides mom. So, yeah, it's good I, to know that there's backstory. There's other people. Uh, oh yeah, there's all. You know, yeah, but there's uh, doubt. And, you know, you know, I, I never, I never forgot about your mother, even when we weren't dating. I always really, uh, I was, yeah, I was, I saw her a couple of times in Ogden, but she didn't see me. Yeah, and I was. Oh, that sounds. Sounds creepy. Don't ever say anything to her. I just let it go by. Yeah. So you were you were, what you're saying is you were watching her from afar. Yeah, I was. Uh, what what do they call those 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 guys that uh, sneak up and watch people? Uh, whatever they were. Um, assholes. <laughs> Stalkers. That was it, and uh, it's it was the best thing I ever that ever happened in my life, other than when you and Jason were born. So. All right. Well, thanks for the plug. I appreciate it. Yeah, those were the three highlights. <laughs> those were the three highlights of my life. Willie Loman never made a lot of money. His name was never in the papers. He's not the finest character that ever lived. But he's a human being, and a terrible thing is happening to him. So attention must be paid. This episode was recorded, edited, and distributed using the Anchor podcast app. The story at the beginning of the episode, as well as at the end, is from salesman Willie Loman, a towering little man, from February 2nd, 2008, in Weekly Edition Saturday by NPR News, presented by Scott Simon.